Chapter 25 The interview room at Orsk Police Station is a very bleak place. The walls were a soulless neutral blue and there was evidence of rising damp on all four walls. I'd spent the last few hours in here telling Officer Roebuck and another gentleman with a very English accent, who did not introduce himself, though I imagine must be from MI5, everything I knew about the whole operation. The ghost plane, the secret storage facilities at the airport, the lighthouse and the castle. The prisoners, Angus and Millie's father. The fishing boats being used to transport the goods to the mainland. The gang that were in the plane that was shot down. The Baron. How Millie and I found ourselves involved and the events of that night. However, all I could think about was Millie. The last time I'd seen her, she was being carried into a plane. Now the plane was somewhere in the North Sea, having been shot down. Was Millie dead? I couldn't face the thought of losing her. It had taken me so long after Finney's death to try with myself again. I'd only known Millie for the matter of a few days, but in that time I had more fun than I could remember having for a long time. Millie was very different to Finney, but she was so special in her own way. She had made me see that life after Finney could be fun, that I could enjoy my life without forgetting Finney, of course. In fact, by being the person that she thought I could be, I would be honouring Finney in some way. But now, she was gone. I think that's about all the questions we have for now, said the English gentleman. We will need you to leave the island tomorrow for your own safety, in case there are any other people with links to the gang remaining on the island. There's a chance they may seek revenge. Until then, you can remain in the holiday cottage. You will have an armed guard. We may have further questions for you, and if so, you may have to attend a police station back in England. Is that all understood? I nodded. Is there any news about Millie? I asked. Hopefully. We'll let you know if we have any news, replied Officer Roebuck. Right now, we have some people to see you that have been very worried. Officer Roebuck opened the door and in rushed Mum and Dad. They both flung their arms around me and hugged me tightly. Oh, love, what were you thinking? sniffed Mum, tears running down her face. We're so happy you're okay. You had us so worried. You put yourself in so much danger, said Dad sternly. Sneaking out in the middle of the night, breaking and entering, I just don't know what to say. Mr and Mrs Lipscomb, if I may, the English gentleman interjected. I absolutely agree with what you're saying, and you've every right to be angry with the boy. What he did was extremely dangerous and reckless. However, before you punish him too harshly, I must tell you, your boy has achieved something that the British police and intelligence services have failed to do. His bravery should mean we're able to put a stop to a highly illegal and dangerous trade that would otherwise have carried on. In fact, his achievement is so outstanding, I'll be recommending him for a George Medal to be presented by the Queen at Buckingham Palace. That's incredible, gasped Mum. It seems like our boy may actually be a bit of a hero, said Dad, through slightly gritted teeth. Just promise me, Peter, never do anything like this again, please, Mum pleaded. Don't worry, I won't, Mum, I said. I'm sorry for ruining your holiday and cutting it short. Suddenly, and without warning, I burst into tears. It had all been too much to take. I was tired, emotional, and completely overwhelmed. Get the wee boy back to your cottage for some sleep, said Officer Roebuck. It's been a very busy night for the lad. With that, we left the interview room and wandered out of the police station. It was now light outside. A beautiful sunny morning, in fact. The harbour looked stunning 
in the resplendent sunshine, and the sea glistened and shimmered into the horizon. There were very few boats in the harbour, but my eyes were immediately drawn to the sight of a lifeboat moored up. Next to the rescue boat was an ambulance. Could it be? Surely not. I saw the plane coming down. There was no way anyone could have survived a crash like that. I sprinted towards the ambulance, running straight past the paramedics, and jumped into the back of the ambulance before I could be stopped. There was a girl lying on the bed in the ambulance. She looked up and smiled. It was Millie! You're alive! I shouted, and once again I burst into tears. This time, though, these were tears of joy. You can't get rid of me that easily, croaked Millie, softly. I'm indestructible, you know. I ran up to Millie and gave her a huge hug. Ouch, 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 said Millie. A wee bit softer, please. I felt a tap on my shoulder. It was a female paramedic. Excuse me, young man, you can't be in here, said the paramedic. She began to escort me out of the ambulance. I've got to leave tomorrow, I shouted back to Millie. Can I see you before I go? I hope so, said Millie softly, just before the ambulance doors were slammed shut. Is she going to be okay? I asked the paramedic. Aye, answered the paramedic. She's a bit battered and bruised, a few broken bones, but in time she'll be okay. A miracle escape, I'd say. A rush of joy and optimism flooded into my body. I turned around and spotted my parents who had caught up with me. Millie's going to be fine, I said with a huge smile, and I'm a national hero. Mum laughed. That's great news. What happened to our lovely, quiet, modest boy? Let him have his moment, Dad said. It's not every day you stop a large-scale international smuggling operation. We all chuckled. <laughs>